Hello everyone, welcome back to Glob Truth. I am your host, Derek, and tonight we are going to talk about the Golden Age. The Golden Age before the Flood. Was there a civilization that existed? Did that civilization, was it known as the gods among man? And was it really and truly a Golden Age? We look in the scriptures in the Bible and we see this opening. One thing that has always stood out to me, and I've done a lot of research and looked into this topic a lot, dealing with the ancient world. The Bible refers to a time known as the ancient world, time and time again. And it also talks about in creation, in the beginning, God, El, created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form, void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So we have where we have this creation that's taking place that God is creating. And the one thing in creation that I noticed that God does not create is the water. It's as if the water had already existed. Now... As the scripture moves on, you do see that there is the fall of man. And that the fall is done by the Nakash, which is known as the serpent, which is also known as a seraphim, maybe even a cherubim. And it deals with this creature. A lot of people sit there and think that it was actually a snake that came and tempted Eve and that that snake was able to talk. But here's the thing. It refers to all the creatures, but this one was the most cunning. She wasn't caught off guard that the serpent was able to talk to her and wasn't in shock at the fact that this animal was speaking. So that tells us there is something more to this than meets the eye. As it goes on, as you have the serpent beguiling Eve and Adam sinning, losing their birthright to the serpent, which is later on shown as Lucifer. But there's an interesting thing that God does at the garden that always stood out to me. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. Remember, it's talking in the plural sense here. Now least he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out man. He placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So we see here that God even puts the cherubims in, in a position that they have to guard the garden, the Garden of Eden. The one thing that stood out to me is that it, it seems as if it's as if they are in a way kind of not so much that they're being punished. But that God is sitting there making sure that we, as the reader, understands that the one of uh, the fallen angels that sat there and betrayed God 
was from the cherubims. And so as I are the cherubim angels. So as I was looking in the scriptures and going through the text, there was a thing that stood out to me. That stood out to me that says that God in the book of Psalms 18 uh, verses 10 and he rode upon the cherubim and it did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. Right there is telling us that God, Yoevahe, sits upon the cherubim and rods the cherubim. Think about that for a second. God is able to rod a cherubim. And the cherubim is also known as the covering. Now, here's something I found extremely interesting in my research and studies just for today alone. It's amazing what the Father will let you see if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Now, we understand that in the book of Ezekiel, we are dealing with, again, a moment in time where God is dealing with the cherubim and how he has to deal with the fact that there is a rebellious cherubim. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 10, 8 through 14 tells us, And there appeared in the cherubim from the form of a man's hand under the, their wings. And when I looked, behold, the four wheels by the cherubims, one wheel by one cherubim, and the other will by another cherub, and appeared appearance of the wills was as the color of uh, a stone, and as for their appearance, they had uh, four had one likeness as the will had been made in the midst of the will, and when they went, they went up uh, uh, their four sides, they turned not as they went, but to the place whether to head looked, they followed it. And they turned not as they went, and their whole body, their uh, backs, and their hands, and their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes around them, even as the wheels that are four, uh, they had forehead. And as the wheels, it was cried unto them in my hearing, O wheel, and every one that had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherubim, the second face was the face of a man. The third was the face of a lion, and the fourth was the face of an eagle. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creatures that I saw by the river of Chebar. So he sees something. Now, a lot of ufologists sit there and say, Ezekiel saw a UFO. And to be honest with you, with all of that being said, the ufologists are right, technically. He did see a UFO, something that was extraordinary and out of place, something that he could not fully understand. But if the scriptures talks about God riding the cherubim, the cherubim, in a way that's being represented in the book of Ezekiel, looks like an unidentified flying object, then you start to see that there is a technology and not only a technology of the ancients, but what was known as the Golden Age. It is interesting that the first time is what is also known was believed to be the age when true wisdom once prevailed. 
Now, in the Egyptian cultures, believed that wisdom and knowledge was a gift from the at the time of Genesis of their civilization from the gods. We also see in mythology that the first time Egypt was uh, allotted to be set of the gods, the gods, as in so many other Illuminous societies like Atlantis, Moon, and Sumer. We see that you have the gods being talked about and on the verge of bringing out the great time of understanding. So too was the golden age in India's myths as the age of uh, Shiva or goodness when humanity enjoyed life free of care with no work, plenty of food, the perfect climate, and no sadness. Sumer also remembers a golden age when five great cities reigned and when a fierce flood ended this epoch threatening mankind very mankind's very existence even in roman mythology recalls a golden age where everything was perfect and food was abundant and as time went on this age deteriorated into this what was known as the silver age and then the Bronze Age, and finally what was also known as the Iron Age. And when people were greedy, disloyal, untrustworthy, and full of war, it was time of hardship when there was no love in the world. It was a time when you had the hubris-driven giants rebelled against the gods, and the gods destroyed both giants and humans with a great flood, save as it's been mentioned in all ancient cultures. But here's the thing that stood out to me in my research, is that in Egyptian mythology, you have this corruption taking place. And that it's also like parallels with the book of Genesis and the fall of man. This is further discord when one considers Egyptian mythology remembers at the end of the first time Ra was warned that humankind had grown too wicked and was on the verge of rebellion against the gods. Hathor was sent to squash the rebellion, slain thousands, and she savagely drank sacrificed blood uh, bleeding with the condition of fruit and barley, which made a blood beer wine similar to the blood wine consumed also in the land of uh, Atlantis that was written by Homer. You also see that there is this age of knowing and everything is being built. And what's interesting is, is that we see that Cain, just as the biblical legends uh, tell us about Cain and prosperity erected magnificent monuments to, you know, set in stone, so to speak, an everlasting lineage of his name. Now what also stood out to me is that we got also in all these cultures a creature which is also known as the Phinx. Now the Phinx is in Egypt and that it was allegedly said it was built by Khufu which there's no evidence of that and that the Phinx actually has got more uh, water erosion than anything else, which stands out that it is older than anything we could ever imagine. 
Some are even saying it could be over 10,500 BCE. Now, if we sit there and we look at the pyramids and realize that, wait a second, the pyramids have never had a sarcophagus in it. There's never been the tomb of any pharaoh. So the question is being, could this be something from the Golden Age that stood and lasted past the Great Flood? I think it is. And I think it was the cherubim, the one that wanted to ascend above the throne of God, which we know is Lucifer. Now, what I also don't believe that it was a coincidence is that you have the lion with the body of the lion of the Phoenix is called Acre. Therefore, the lion characteristics were an acceptable ancient Egyptian form of depiction, which was founding of a watcher of Egypt, hinting to the watchers of rebellion in the book of Enoch. And what is amazing about the lion Phoenix is their very similar characteristics employed to describe the biblical cherubim. Each had four faces, the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Cherubim also is an ancient text that's known in uh, Assyria as karabu, meaning he who prays or he who intercedes. Now, as we sit here, we as I mentioned, we see that God, recalling that God, El, was rotting on a cherubim, which is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel and the book of Revelation. Now, we also need to understand that antiquity refers to these things as also being known as dragons. That a griffin, a phoenix, and dragons are all essentially from the same being. Now, some people will argue and say that the centaur is, but the centaur is honestly the offspring of a cherubim in a human woman, half, half human, half horse. And that it is believed that they were very honorable, but as the centurions uh, digrade into a violent race, at least they became intoxicated and with various slander, uh, slaughters and for many centaurs, the cause of this war and most centaur race was driven from uh, Thelacy. You also have Hercules. Now, one thing about the Phoenix and its construction of looking as if it is a cherubim is to also understand that if we're looking at the Phoenix in Egypt and it is a depiction of a cherubim, could that actually be in particular be speaking of Satan? Because in the book of Ezekiel 28, verses 13 and 14, it tells us, You were the anointed garden cherubim, so I ordained you. You were the holy mount on the holy mountain God. Could we see that the wonders of the Phoenix, could the Phoenix be a monument to Satan and his fallen allies? I believe so, because in the book of Revelation, it says that he will be able to give the image of the beast the breath of life. And one thing about the image of the beast in the ancient cultures and time and dealing with the Sphinx 
is that it was also known as a Shishop Anku, which means the living image of Atum, which means a statue, an image could be brought to life. Now we have to understand that there is a lot to take in, and a lot of things that are still being revealed. And that we have to understand that, you know, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. So what did the golden age, the golden age of civilization was as perfect as they said it was. But what brought the defeat and the downfall of it was because a cherubim got jealous and didn't like our utopia and decided to put sin into our path I don't know these are many things that I am looking into many things I'm studying I would like to hear what your thoughts are so if you like to you can leave us a comment you may even be um, mentioned or shown in the upcoming podcast but like I always say pay attention to your surroundings because you never know what lies around the corner God bless